Hey everyone, I'm Gael. I'm Thomas. I'm Isaac. I'm Mark. I'm Kayla. And welcome back to the podcast. Welcome, welcome. I'm back. Which is why Gael and I are sharing a mic. Yeah. Yeah, that's exactly why. Um, Because we forget we only have four mics in the TT bedroom. You know, a lot of people still think this is a studio. <laughs> it is. This, it is. this is my bedroom, guys. It's a real bedroom. Built in it's studio. been my bedroom. It's always been my bedroom, actually. So. Since day one. Well, not always. Ever since like ninth grade, I think. Okay, for the podcast. That's true. He still sleeps so here. True. The podcast ends, and he's he's sleeping. Yep. One day we should do like a video of you just sleeping here, so they know like it's a yeah. real bedroom. We clock off. <laughs> yeah. <the> bed. <laughs> it's so weird too. Like I feel like it must be so weird for them to imagine someone sleeping here. Like actually, like using this bed <laughs> to just like yeah. sleep. <laughs> Oh wait, I actually sleep here. Yeah, we're sharing a mic. I'm sorry, the audio is kind of terrible. Yeah. Um, but this episode, I feel like, is a very monumental episode. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. Monumental. Why? Why, Gael? <laughs> Please. So this episode does feel like it's important, and it's... Really, I mean, the, the episode title is like being brown in America, right? So, obviously, just being a POC in this country. For us, we haven't necessarily talked a lot. I mean, we've talked, I think the only time we really talked about like experiencing, you know, the white America was when you guys went to USC. And you kind of mm-hmm. noticed it like, oh, shoot, there's a lot of like white people here and they're all like in cliques and I feel kind of left out. But besides that, we had never talked about it, mostly because I don't think we had experienced it. Yeah. I don't think we had ever actually lived through it because we're in our bubble. We've yeah. been in our little bubble in our community where everyone's Latino, everyone's a POC. There's, you know, we have all of our culture, all of our community near us. So personally, I had never, I'd had, I've been lucky enough to had never felt out of place or not accepted because everywhere I went, I would see people like me and people spoke my language and it was fine. And so, um, this past about, about two weeks ago that all, you know, that all kind of changed. And I think for the first time we kind of all experienced, uh, I feel like what, like the real, side of this country is and what it means to be outside of our bubble um so for context we were invited to speak at the aspen ideas festival which is a festival that takes place in aspen and it's basically a bunch of really smart people that speak on panels and there's a lot of panels about a wide variety of topics all presenting a unique idea or talking about an interesting subject and they were nice enough to invite us because and it's like they have a lot of money this is for context that they have the means to do a lot um and the wealthiest of the wealth of are there yeah it's a pretty you know the the, the people at the festival are pretty well off for the most part i mean tickets are like five thousand dollars right so it's a it's a festival basically all just about promoting ideas and i had never heard about it beforehand but they invited us to come and speak and do a panel kayla and i were doing did a panel on gen z and mental health and i had no clue what to expect um 
but yeah, I mean, when we got, I had no clue what to expect, really. Like, I, I didn't know how it was going to be. I just knew it probably was going to be a lot of really smart people there. And uh, the audience was definitely, you know, different from anything I had been to before. And so we get there and all five of us went this time. Um, all five of us went and we went to Aspen, which is in Colorado. And you know what's so weird? Aspen is the weirdest town that I have ever been to. I feel like it's from the moment we got there. I mean, it's beautiful. Like Colorado and Aspen is really, really pretty. Everything was so green in the meadows and the sunlight. It was so pretty. Mountains. Hills. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, it was a ski resort town, so it was very like well wealthy. A lot of houses. It was really pretty. Yeah, it was so pretty, but it was really empty. <laughs> felt really empty it felt like an abandoned town that like it was not real like all these were playhouses like who's actually living here and i talked to a bunch of locals and they all said the same thing like 20 years ago 30 years ago the town used to be really great there was a community there was actually people out and over time they basically just sold the town to the highest bidder and the towns kind of went all the people went away to cheaper towns because it just got way too expensive like the average price of a home there is 12 million dollars so it's by no means cheap it's extremely expensive to live there 12 million is the average if you want to live on the hills it's like 50 million for a home so yeah and the crazy thing is like these are like their third homes they're not living there they're the vacation homes they live in for like two weeks during december and that's about it yeah a lot of these people were like yeah this is like the third home out here like they're not even they're not even just living here so it was like, wow. So at first it was, you know, Isaac, Mark and I who went and it was really interesting. We were just like, wow, we were so amazed. We were super excited to be there. And I, for the opening session, I, they asked me to present a big idea, which was just um, something that I felt passionate about and that I thought was important. And so I presented on the first day in the opening session with a bunch of people and it was scary. It was very scary. Um, but it was a great audience. I mean, I thought I presented a new perspective and people seemed to like it afterwards they came up to me and told me they really liked the idea which was just like dedicating more physical spaces to our youth in order to help solve the the mental health crisis that that young people are facing so point is we got to the festival everything's fine our panel's on sunday and we got there on saturday and so the next day okay so the 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 day we get there (laughs) (laughs) what happened the day we get there, we're in Aspen, and we go to our hotel um, because they changed it. So originally, we were gonna be at the resort in Aspen, right? This like this like four star, five star hotel that's super pretty with a beautiful campus, which was where the festival was taking place. And each speaker gets a plus one. We all get a plus one, and so you know, Thomas had Kayla, I had Isaac, but Mark was left. So who was gonna be his plus one? So I asked for the people that were organizing this and they invited me, I asked them, can you give me a plus one, right? Can you uh, give me an extra plus one so we could get a festival pass? And they told me that they couldn't do that because only each speaker only gets a plus one and they can't really accommodate for anything else. So I, but they said, we can give you a festival, a day session pass. pass. Yeah. yeah, right, a day pass. So you could go to your host's session. So we said, okay. And they said, also, since he doesn't have a full pass, he won't be able to be in the resort because he'll have restrictions because they're only allowing attendees of the festival there. So we're going to move you to a different hotel. And so we get to Aspen, we get to our hotel, and we realize we are staying in this, like, three-star hotel 
that smells like shit on the outside. Like we found ants on the bed. There were stains on the towels. It felt dirty. There was no natural sunlight. It felt like we were in a fucking box, trapped. Yep. The um, AC didn't work either. Because it wasn't plugged in. I honestly <laughs> didn't think our hotel room was that bad. But in comparison to where all the other panelists and everyone else, like every single other person at the event was saying at, like, Compared to that, we were staying in a not so nice place, but the place itself was nice. Like, Wait, I didn't and think it was you nice. mentioned why they moved us. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. yeah. So that's why they moved us. And I mean, you say the place itself wasn't that bad, but it's like, are we just used to accepting a little less? Like there were ants on the bed. You're that's paying right. like if you pay for a hotel. I, I, didn't, I didn't see ants on the bed. Oh, there was ants it was our room. I think it's I think because it's, sorry, anything just like livable, we're fine with. Like, it was still livable. We had a place to sleep. It wasn't so bad where we had to, like, leave the room. So we just basically settled for it, even though everyone else got something a lot better. Right? Yeah. But I don't... I I just don't want to, like, give so much shit to the hotel. When, like, the hotel... I I would stay there again if, if we had to. It's just that we just weren't receiving... The same treatment yeah. as all the other people. I think we just needed to understand the occasion. Like, we weren't just visiting and looking for, like, a decently priced hotel. We were, like, invited, invited as speakers. Yeah. Like, invited by these wealthy people. And that was the best they could do for us. You know, and so, look, not to get ahead of ourselves. Yeah. We get to the hotel. It's, like, it's you know, it's a weird hotel. It's odd. It's odd. But we got there and, you know, I was kind of complaining because I really i was really looking forward to staying at the resort because it was beautiful i mean it was in a beautiful campus i was so excited um i thought it was going to be great and so when we got to the hotel i was really disappointed because i was like oh my god this is i'm not even going to enjoy staying in here like it's really it didn't it didn't feel nice like it felt dirtier than my home and like if a hotel room feels dirtier than your home what is going on right like what the (laughs) fuck is going on but you know we were like okay maybe we should be thankful we should like be appreciative like stop complaining like i gotta just you know, it's better than nothing. So I'm like, okay, I'll stop. And so we do that. We go to the festival. And at this point, like, everyone's here. Everyone arrives. Thomas and Kayla got, got back from France. So they're at the hotel. They have their own room. And for the rest of the trip, everything went fine. Like, we did our panel. It went great. The audience loved it. Like, we got to talk about a lot of stuff on the panel. You know, they asked us, like, um, what was weird about the panel is the audience was great. They had great questions. And at one point, they asked us, an episode that was super impactful was the one we did where it was growing up poor. Like, why did you guys decide to do that? And obviously, if you guys listen to that episode, we talked about growing up poor and struggling financially and how to this day we're still struggling financially to pay rent or groceries. And we talked about it because there's we don't have any shame in it and we think it's important. And, you know, everybody in the audience loved it. They all clapped, whatever. So we're like, oh, they like they loved the panel. Everyone said it was great. Like apparently a lot of people were talking about the panel afterwards. Mm-hmm. They said it was really great. It was it was really impactful. A lot of people enjoyed it. So that made us super happy, you knowing people really liked it and people really liked us. So we we're like, oh my god, that's amazing. I'm glad we did well. So the rest of the trip, you know, they were I was staying two days extra basically, and so I thought they were gonna leave on that day like two days before me, and so we were just relaxing and like we played tennis and it was really great. We were eating. And I met a lot of really cool people at the event. I mean, everybody, like, was, for the most part, really friendly. They all kind of said hi, introduced themselves, um, gave you kind words if they saw you. And the festival had a lot of really good food, which was all free. And we got breakfast and lunch and, and all of that. And it was so funny because even that that first day that we got to the hotel, it was Isaac and I, Isaac, Mark, and I. Mm-hmm. And we get to the hotel and, 
you know, Mark and I are hungry and Isaac's hungry and we go get food and then we realize that we go to the we realize there's for one no casual food everything is super nice restaurants like three three money signs on google and yelp and shit mm-hmm. so we're like okay let's just go to a grocery store because we did not want to spend like 20 dollars for just a simple like bowl a dish of fucking like rice and chicken um like, probably like 30 with tax and tip mm-hmm. and so we just get frozen food so that first day we didn't have any money we didn't want to spend money so we just ate like chimichangas and fucking like coke taquitos. <laughs> and yeah. taquitos frozen food right <laughs> in our microwave and we're like oh my god yeah, like the prices were really inflated, even at the supermarket. Like for like, like a can of sauce was like twenty twenty bucks, and it was just everything was too expensive. So we just got frozen food. Yeah, and settled with that. I mean, yeah, I mean, I was like, I was, I mean, it was like fine. I was like, okay, it's not too bad. I'm not like complaining. Like it's okay. Like it was, I enjoyed it. <laughs> so that happened, and the rest of the week we really just played tennis, like relaxed, walked around, went to a couple sessions, ate, talked, whatever. And so now it's like halfway through the week because we, I stayed there like six days and it was like on day three and it was time for Thomas, Kayla, Mark and Isaac to go home. So they go to the airport. They go to the airport and their flight's overbooked so they can't leave. So, you know, they, they volunteer to stay back and Mark's the only one that left. Um, Isaac, Kayla and Thomas stayed. You know, the, hot- the airline gave them the, their hotel, their flight credit and so they stayed an extra day. And that same day... uh this dude that i had met at like this one of these hot dog stands they had was like oh hey aren't you like the dude from teenager therapy i was like yeah he's like oh my god i always see you guys on tiktok and i was like oh my god cool yeah thank you and then later that day he dm'd me on instagram and i was like hey um my grandma owns a my aunt owns a a restaurant here in aspen and she would love to just host you guys for a dinner at her house just she just wants to say hi and talk to you guys about you know being young and all that and I had two options because I, I had a dinner that day, like a, an event dinner with like, you know, it was hosted by like NBC Universal and they were doing panels on Gen Z and stuff. And they had invited me. And so I was like, oh, I don't know which one to go to. But I decided to go to her house with everyone. And we all decided to go. And we're like, OK, let's go. We didn't know what to expect. And so we got to her house. And I mean, we it was the the her name was Mawa and it was her nephew. And it was uh, her nephew's friend who were there. And we just kind of had a, con- you know, we we just started talking and had a lot of conversations about what we do, what they do, and, you know, what it's like living in Aspen and being surrounded by so much wealth. And I'm not sure how, but eventually we started talking about race and, you know, do we feel tokenized? Do we feel discriminated? How do we feel knowing, you know, do we feel used? And these were really insightful questions because I don't think not, none of us had really given it had given it any thought. We kind of had just gone with the flow. And, you know, we started saying, well, personally, I didn't feel tokenized at the event because, because they actually handed us the mic and we actually had a panel on the stage. And so I felt like if they had just, if they had only invited us and like left us there to do our own thing and just so they could you know if they take pictures we're in the background like oh wow there's like so diverse i would have felt tokenized then but the fact that they actually gave us a platform and allowed us to speak is what made me realize you know i don't feel tokenized i i thought they actually did include us and that was really nice however i feel like the more that we talked and you know we started telling her about our situation we're like yeah so they moved us from the hotel because they didn't want to give mark an extra festival pass because each speaker could only get one and so they moved us from the resort to this, like, you know, this 
ugly hotel that like we didn't know who else was staying there the shuttles didn't run there because there were shuttles and we had to bike and walk everywhere because you know no one took us there and we had to pay for our own taxis and transportation and you know the first day we like ate frozen food because we didn't have any meals um and and yeah and you know we were saying this so casually like we didn't really think there was anything wrong it was just kind of normal for us like yeah we have to pay right like it's you know and that's when she, you know, got really mad for us. She was like, oh, my God, like, no, you guys should be so angry right now. Like, these people have money. You guys are, at, you know, you're paying for basic necessities. They're the ones that invited you to speak, to come and share, you know, your wisdom, your clout with them and educate these older folks that are a lot wealthier than us. And they have you on a panel speaking about how poor you are. And like, like these people, like all, you know, she was like, all these white people, all these white folk really... They say a lot, but they don't do a lot. You know, they, you shouldn't just believe what they say because they'll be telling you how amazing you are and how you're incredible and how you're so well accomplished, but then they won't actually do anything to support you. They'll just go out and like fund the other, the other white man that's also there. And, you know, they'll actually do stuff to help him to you. They'll probably just tell you good things and hope that you're happy with it. And you guys shouldn't be, and you guys shouldn't just be thankful. You shouldn't just, you know, be happy with the crumbs that are there just because they gave you a hotel and they paid for your flight, that shouldn't be enough. You should be requesting more. You should be requesting to, to fly business or fly first class or, you know, have your food paid for, your transportation, because it's unacceptable that they're making you pay for even the basic necessities when you're the one that took the time to come to the festival, travel all the way here, you know, just to be treated like that. Like, it's not, it's absolutely not acceptable. It's discriminatory, especially when you think about all these other speakers that are staying there and you know, perhaps you have like other people that are wealthier who buy a pass for their staff and like assistance or they've given one, whoever, whatever it might be. So, you know, you guys should be mad. And I think that was kind of the more she talked, the more we realized like what was happening to us that we hadn't even realized before. Yeah, I think um, at least for me, I didn't give it that much thought about being tokenized or being like taken advantage of. Um because I was just excited in the first place that like, oh, they chose us to like go over there. They're flying us out. Like we're, this is the first time that we've all been like fly, like how do you say it? Flowed? Flown out. Flown out um, to places. And so that alone was just like really exciting. And we didn't think, or I know I didn't think about like, oh, I'm not first class or like I'm not business. It was more just like, okay, well, I mean, they're, they're paying for the flight. That's like really like a lot already. Um, but then when she was saying everything, it did put everything into perspective. And especially, I think the part that got me angry, like the most angry, um, was when she like pointed out that like, we had talked about growing up poor on the panel and then it was just, the audience was, you know, majorly like white people, of course they have money. And it's just so funny that like, I talk about it and it's, it doesn't do anything besides just like go one ear and out the other. It's like they're not, they're not gonna do anything to help me. You know, it's like it's more just like me up there and they're just like speculating. You know, it's just like, I don't know. That that part really annoyed me and it frustrated me. Um, but of course, everything else was just like added on to it. So yeah, because when they did ask Kayla about like her experience growing up poor. It didn't add to the conversation at all. They didn't talk about it after she answered. It was just nobody like, came up to no, be like, "Hey, let me pay for your tuition. Like, yeah, let me no, pay for your room and board." Like she, the interviewer just asked, 
Kayla told her experience, and then boom, it was, it was very unnecessary to say the least. Um, and I did feel tokenized compared to like everybody else. I, cause in my experience, um, with the other panels, for like New York and France, I didn't exactly feel like I was being used. While in Aspen, it did feel very uncomfortable for me to be there. Like I. Like as soon as Mawa was talking about like the treatment we were like receiving and how it wasn't okay, I understood it immediately because I didn't understand why we had to pay for our own flights. Um, Mark's flight wasn't covered. Isaac's flight wasn't covered. Our check my bags flight, weren't covered. Yeah, yeah. My, my flight home wasn't covered. Girl had to pay for that, and so you know I was already pretty frustrated. Um, you know now and, and now after knowing the hotel situation compared to everybody else's i was very frustrated and i didn't understand why they weren't paying us for food either um so that was very frustrating yeah and i mean turns out later it was like revealed that they forgot to tell us about like the meal comp or like it had got like lost oh in translation. my god yeah that's, a, that's a and so i think thing. that was just really frustrating because it's like how do you forget to tell the people that you're flying out that you know like hey we're paying for your meals and stuff it's mm-hmm. that part was just it's, unprofessional it was unprofessional it's shady because that's like that's something you always give your clients exactly so. yeah. yeah and like i doubt they would forget to tell someone of like higher status that so it's just kind of shocking. I mean, yeah. I don't think they forgot to tell our other panelists that either. I have no clue. I mean, I don't I don't necessarily want to make too many assumptions yeah. and just assume like that's the worst of their intention. It's but also Girl, it's, why are you protecting them? That's the thing, right? <laughs> like it's like it's so God. especially as a PLC, it's you feel so gaslighted when you're like, Am I fucking reading into this too much? Or is oh, there genuine, that. you know, malice behind it? And it's honestly hard to know. And I'm still trying to figure out what, you know, how you deal with that because I'm like, okay, you know, who fucking knows? Look, I'll, I'll, I'll give more context to that whole meal thing. So, yeah. So, I, look, I, I did, I think what, what Mawa, the conversation with Mawa, she was really, you know, and no, she, she's a black woman living in Aspen. She has a restaurant. She's a chef. And she was also telling us about her experience that, you know, people always say she's the best, like, black chef in Aspen and have to include her race. And if, they say how amazing she is, but they'll go fund the other white restaurants in Aspen and not her. And, you know, it's very little support. She's on the outskirts and, you know, a lot of mistreatment. And I think she really put everything in perspective. And I, I, you know, she also like was making sure to tell me like, why didn't you ask for more? Like you also should have asked for this. You should have communicated it. Like, I don't want you to do that ever again. Like learn to say no, don't take just crumbs for, you know, don't take the crumbs and be thankful for it ask for more every time and so because of that i did realize you know what i could have done a better job asking for more for one i didn't necessarily communicate very well and so i am not purely just blaming the festival for the mistreatment because part of it is just me like why didn't i ask for more you know i'll get more into this you know but for now yeah i should have asked for more and so i don't necessarily i'm sure if like if i would have said like hey well food and this be covered they might have probably would have said like yes of course um and also like for the flights for like mark isaac and thomas yeah like we had to pay for that out of our own pocket and it it felt it was one of those things that to me it was like okay like that's fair but also 
Mao was telling us, like, but you guys come as a group. Like, exactly. just, no, we come as a group. like, if you're gonna have one of them, have like everyone because, or else you say no. Like, if everybody wants to go, then everyone should deserve to go because everyone has contributed to the success of this. And so everyone deserves a chance to have the same opportunities. And that, like, also did make me realize because other times, like, I would be too scared to request for more, or, like, not paid ourselves. Got to be like, oh, it's already a lot of money and they're already, like, covering for two of us. And I know, like, five five flights is a lot of money and you know i don't want them to feel bad because i still have that mentality that everyone's fucking poor and like companies institutes whatever like organizations are poor and like you know three hundred dollars will hurt them like more than it will hurt us or so and that's my fault for having that mentality as a poc and i'm sure if you're like you know if if you're a minority watching this you probably have felt the same way especially if you grew up you know in poverty or lower class you probably also have the mentality of like, is everyone also running out of money? Like companies are also struggling. Like you have to be considerate because it's, it's incomprehensible that people can just have money, just mm-hmm. disposable income to just buy stuff. Like that is such a foreign concept that it's weird. It's weird to think about. And so, yeah, we didn't know our meals were covered. We didn't know our transportation were covered. So we're just been paying for everything up until this point. And we left that conversation, I think, feeling really angry. Um, we left it feeling really angry. And and we were able to get in touch with some of the people at the Institute. And there were some people that were able to help us and kind of be like, you know what, let me tell, let me tell someone that I know about your experience and so that same day they, they you know they sent out some texts that reached the people at the actual institute and you know at the at the resort and stuff and they were able to tell the people at the institute like what's going on like who you know I've, you're they kind of just stood up for us and really said what was what was happening and and so they said okay like you know people got involved basically and they started kind of like actually speaking up about it for us which i thought was really really it felt really nice and you know, another thing I forgot to mention that like really meant a lot is, you know, towards the end of our conversation, um, Mawa, who's obviously a chef in Aspen, she, you know, in the beginning, she was, we were talking about the restaurant business and talking to her about what it's like. And she was telling us that profit margins are really tough and having a restaurant, especially in Aspen is a hard business. Like it's the profit margins are so thin and she honestly wouldn't do it again because it's just such a hard way to make a living being a chef and having a restaurant and even after saying that and and telling us and talking about her experience struggling also sometimes to like even keep up at the end of the conversation we were saying bye and she handed each of us an envelope and she said like this is for you guys just to take care of yourselves and like inside that envelope was five hundred dollars for each of us and in that moment it was just I didn't know what to say. Like, I couldn't. I just started crying. Yeah. Like, I couldn't say any words because I, like, like, even just thinking about it. It was so shocking to open and just see, like, a hundred bill, a hundred bill, a hundred bill, a hundred bill, a hundred bill. Because that's so much money. Was, I've never seen, like, that much, it like, is. actual cash yeah, in my life. Yeah, it's so much money. And she gave it to, like, each of, us. Yeah, each of us each of us yeah. Each, like, I would have been, like, $50 would have been. Literally. Literally. Yeah. Like, still, like, are you sure? Like I, when she gave us that, and it was like you know, five different a hundred dollar bills. I, like, part of me couldn't even process it because it was like so. It's so much to me, at least. Mm-hmm. It's so much money, it and it felt so. 
nice knowing that there was someone not just saying they support you but like actually doing something about it and i think it really made me realize what it feels like to actually feel supported and so like in that moment it was it was such personally it was just such intense emotions because it was like for the first time this whole week i realized what it felt to be truly supported and not just another you guys are doing great you're amazing like wish you the best and then they let you go yeah it was so genuine because we knew that she was like suffering as well and struggling with her business yet she gave us like all this money because she knew that we're also poc and we were struggling as well it's crazy the difference um in like the generosity that she showed us Mm -hmm. compared to the multi-million like funded event that was hosting um so yeah our entire heart goes out to her she's the sweetest yeah Go to Mawa's Kitchen in Aspen. No, honestly, the food was really the good. The food was like, amazing. Unbiased. It was, it was... Try the matcha latte. The matcha was good. Wow. Yeah, was the so chai latte was good. So bomb. Yeah. 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 Really good. No, I generally did good. think the food was good. It was delicious. I mean, it, it was, was good. It yeah. was good. And people had hyped it up the whole week. So, <sighs> yeah. I mean, that moment, I feel like, was something that I'll remember for the rest of my life. Just because it... Like, I can't overstate how much it made me realize what actual support looks like, what action feels like compared to words. Because sometimes I think it made me realize what I was feeling before of, you know, everyone's telling me all these amazing things about how great I am. And I feel like I have so many people behind me, but I don't really feel it. Like, even though all these people have told me how, like, amazing, how much they, like, can't wait for me to succeed. Why don't I feel supported? Why do I still feel like I don't have a support source? And it's because there was no action behind it. Like, there wasn't a single piece of action. And if there was, it was very little. Yeah, and I think it's also, like, a little baffling to think of why they don't, like, help. If they have, like, so much disposable income, why wouldn't you go out of your way to, like, help somebody that doesn't have that same, you know, opportunity? These people are millionaires. A lot of people there. It's not going to affect them if they like give out like 5K or like however much. You know, it's like. And there's there's people walking around with the highest pass, which costs $15,000. There was multiple people wearing the pass. They can do that just to go to a festival and, you know, donate, get like a couple extra privileges just because they want to support the festival. So it's truly baffling, you know. How, how little support they might give to people directly. Um, you know, like the a- attendees there. $50, $100, whether it's money, whether it's whatever. Like, it's it's baffling. Mm-hmm. I don't know. And, and maybe it's because we didn't ask and we didn't make it easy for them. So it's harder to just go out and give it to someone. But but also we were speaking about yeah, it, though. Yeah, we did speak yeah. about it. <laughs> you're like giving you're you're like doubting yourself too much i feel like yeah it's like we were literally on the stage speaking about it to like an audience of like i don't know how however many but it's just like how do they not feel the urge we shouldn't after that panel we shouldn't go up to people like hey do you want to like can you pay yeah exactly it's like they should be coming up to us and it's i feel like some people might be like well you're not entitled to their money you're not entitled to that but it's it's baffling how you can't how you could have so much disposable income, hear young kids that apparently are super inspiring to you and not feel an urge to help. Exactly. That's what's baffling. It's not baffling that they give, they didn't just hand us money. It's about that there was no action behind it, right? Like there was no generosity. Like I, I can't imagine having disposable income, hearing people that are saying they're struggling or talking about it. And I personally admire them and, you know, enjoy their, their talk. 
and not feeling the need to be like hey like how can i help you like mm-hmm. yeah and gail and kayla had the best panel there like without a shadow of a doubt <laughs> um, <laughs> like people were talking about it all week it was one of the most uh, highly attended events like they did good and a lot of people were left thinking and you know were inspired so it was very frustrating and then especially after kayla had opened up about her experience growing up poor it's just like i don't know we definitely felt used and we didn't feel supported at all um and yeah yeah so you know left the conversation with mawa just feeling so I truly felt like that was a really important moment in my life because it got me out of this naiveness that I should believe what the white man is saying to me and I should believe their words and and just be happy that they're telling me all these nice things and realize without action it is meaningless. And I think up to this point, I still had that perspective of like, well, they love me. They're saying all these nice things and so I believe them. But she made me realize without action it's meaningless doesn't matter how much someone tells you if they're doing absolutely nothing to support you their words are meaningless so it was it was a really important moment and i mean she i'm so glad she was there because i i feel like she really did make us feel supported in a festival or in an area in a town where like we did not feel any of that we felt like there was someone that looked like us that you know had gone through similar experiences that was there to help us and genuinely support us, which was so, so meaningful. Um, so we left. Look, that happened that day. So the next day, it was uh, it was Wednesday. So on Wednesday, um, Kayla, Isaac, and Thomas finally leave. We go get breakfast. And at this point, we get a, you know, we go get breakfast at, at her kitchen and her restaurant. I was kitchen and we're there and she, she, she some of the people that we were with like updated us and said, Hey, so we talked to some people and now they're saying, apparently they forgot to tell you guys. They forgot to tell us that our meals and our transportation was supposed to be covered. They forgot. Right. And please remember this. They forgot. They said they forgot. Okay. And at this point it's like, okay, like did they actually fucking forget or are they just pieces of shit? Like, I don't know. That's a big thing to forget like yeah. to tell you the people that you're flying out for an event it's like that's that's a very bad misjudgment it's like one of the only things that's, you have to tell that's them. the yeah. main thing you know i don't know that. like you shouldn't be mad that like they forgot to tell you like it's an assumption that's okay to make because like that's such a ridiculous mistake yeah and this like this is bad both ways if they forgot to tell their speakers about the meal and comp that is just unprofessional like please pay more attention please like read the fine print go through the material again that is a not it's not a good mistake to make it's it looks incredibly unprofessional two if they didn't forget and they were just saying that because they didn't want to make it seem like they were discriminating us that's equally as bad if not worse obviously so no matter which way you spin it it is bad it was a mistake it was terrible so they say that (sighs) okay fine um we're like okay they fucking forgot like how funny is that right and so the next day we ate, we got breakfast, we talk a little bit more, they leave and I go back to the festival. And so at this point I'm like alone. I'm staying there an extra day because I have a dinner to attend to. And we get there and I, I get to the festival and I I felt so just 
angry, sad. I was just like kind of over it at this point. I was tired. I mean, I was just tired of, I was like, you know, the realization of how you're treated. I felt a little isolated, but I still wanted to do my best to talk to a lot of people and get the most out of it because I want to take up space. You know, it's difficult being a person of color because it's it's exhausting because you constantly have to take up space. Even if you don't feel accepted, you have to just keep staying there because if not, you're just letting them drag you down and you're letting them push you away. So that's exhausting. But, you know, I pushed myself to do it. And I thankfully, I talked to a couple of friends that I met there and I was, you know, just talking with them, getting to meet some people for the first time in real life. And that was really nice. And I got to meet people that actually wanted to support me and that felt good. And then by the end of the by the end of the day, around five, I go to my last session, which was where like Hillary Clinton was speaking. So I just went to go see her. You know, fun fact about that. It's so weird seeing a politician of that status in real life. I didn't know how to feel. It's. I mean, this is a whole nother thing, like someone with so much power and so much influence mm-hmm. being right in front of you. It's it's weird. Yeah. Politicians like it's weird being near them just because you, you realize how much power and influence they have. And it's like, well, what are, you know, what can they do? What are you going to do about what are you going to do with all that power, I suppose? Um, but, you know, I say hi to her and I say hi to Hillary Clinton, and, you know, shake her hand, take a picture. And then. I'm just about to leave because I need to go to this dinner. And beforehand, I had got an email from someone from the festival. And they said, hey, like, are, are, are you free to meet up later? Um, I want to hear about your experience at the festival. And I said, yeah, sure. And then I ended up running into her after the panel. And I was like, oh, hey, how are you? And she was like, good, how are you? And I said, oh, you emailed me, right, about the festival. And she's like, yeah, I just wanted to hear. And I was like, yeah, well, you know, I started telling her, you know, what had happened. And I was like, well... I just think it's I I thought it was disappointing that we were originally supposed to stay at this resort here. But then because you guys couldn't get us an extra pass, we got moved to this hotel where there were ants and it was terrible. And it was just an ugly, dirty hotel that we didn't enjoy at all. Plus, like the shuttles didn't run there. No one knew where it was. We didn't we like we think we were the only people that were attending the festival that were staying there. Terrible. And she was like. Right. Yeah. It's just, you know, we can't, we obviously just can't like give an extra plus one to you guys because it just wouldn't be fair. I was like, it wouldn't be fair to who? Well, it it wouldn't be fair to our, all of our attendees that pay for it. And like all the people that actually pay for the past, like it wouldn't be fair if we gave you guys an extra, you know, a plus one. And I said, well, it's not about being fair. It's about being equitable. Because you can't be fair if you're not equitable. And if you're inviting these young speakers that are adolescents or in high school, maybe fucking college, paying for stuff, they're not the speakers that are rich and I have, you know, are in their 60s and their 70s that have had all this time to build their wealth and can actually afford stuff. So wouldn't it make sense to accommodate them a little bit better? Right? And she was like, well, well, yeah, but, you know, it's like we didn't. We we paid for you guys' flight, and obviously we couldn't pay for everyone else's flight. And they, and I was like, but maybe you should have, because it, I mean, what is another festival pass? Like, what is the, what is giving another piece of paper that says you're able to attend the festival that costs nothing? It's not a tangible value item. It's not, it's not something physical. It's just a small piece of paper that has imaginary value that we attach to it. So in reality, it doesn't cost anything. You said, well, yes, it does because people pay for it. So, like, giving you guys an extra one would hurt all the other people. 
And I was like, no, like you have to be equitable. It doesn't make sense. And she was like, well, I didn't. And then she was like, well, I wish you would have communicated this beforehand because I didn't know you guys were struggling because I told her about, you know, we're doing a panel and like this festival needs more, less ideas and more action, especially if we're on a panel with, you know, you have a panel with young people talking about how they're struggling and how they're poor and all that. And they're still struggling and everyone just claps and goes away. She was like, well, I didn't. Obviously, I wish you would have communicated with this beforehand because I didn't know you were like, I didn't know about your financial situation. So I couldn't have known. And I was like, wait, I'm like so angry right now. Yeah, because it's like, <laughs> oh, sorry. Like, I'm not supposed to like disclose my income to everybody. I just casually meet, you know, it's like, yeah, even 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 if it is like a, a workspace setting or whatever, it's like, oh, hey, we're meeting and we're going to talk yeah. about this on the panel. It's like, OK, but I'm not going to. There's no reason yeah. for me you know to what disclose I told her? that. I told her, well, yeah, I mean, thank you for not assuming we're poor just because we're POC or freaking minorities. Like, that's good. Thank you for doing that. But I want you to think about your position in power, especially since you're managing all these speakers and making sure they feel accommodated. Hospitality. If you were a minority and if a minority happened to be in this position of power, think about the worldview that they would bring to the table. Because they themselves might have been like, oh, I've lived through that. I've seen people, you know, whether she was Asian, Latina, Black or whatever, she would have been like, okay, I'm in this position of power where I'm accommodating these guests and making sure they have everything they need. Am I going to simply just, you know, give them the same things as everyone else, as all these people that might be wealthier? Or am I going to think, when I was younger, I saw people around me struggling a little bit more. I saw people in my community struggling. I know sometimes how hard it can be, especially living in this country as a minority. I'm not going to assume they're poor just because they're teenagers and fucking like minorities. But because that person would have been a POC in power, she might have had a perspective that would have given her the thought to think, let me ask again if there's anything else they might need throughout this whole festival. Because she would have had that perspective in the worldview that allows her to be more considerate and empathetic of the people speaking and said, I'm not going to assume anything, but I do know they're college students, they're minorities. And, you know, sometimes it can be tough because the researcher says it's, you know, it's a lot tougher. Let me ask again, making sure they have everything. And that's what and I told her, that's what I mean by being a little bit more equitable, because you need to have the perspective that. There is a chance they might be struggling, especially because we're like 16, 17, 18, 19, right? Like, it just seems ignorant that she just, you know, assumed everybody was in the same position of privilege as her. That they all have money, they all can afford it, right? Like, I told her that was stupid. It was dumb for her to, like, it, like, she needs, like, for next time, I told her, like, next time, I hope when you invite speakers, you take a second, a second thought to think about how these speakers you're inviting could have lived a very different experience and that might be in a very different environment and, and living through very different economical situations than you might. And so in that sense, it makes sense why it makes sense why you should be a little bit more empathetic and ask, do you need anything else? Right? Mm -hmm. That's just being considerate and equitable towards the speakers you're inviting. I told her that. And then, you know, she just she kept telling me like about fairness and, and the, they couldn't provide it because they don't provide any other speakers with any extra passes and so we have to be fair to everyone and i just kept fucking emphasizing what it means to be equitable yeah because um, like the whole concept of being fair does not work here because like all these people are already rich and old and like they're inviting gen z speakers and one glance at the podcast like they knew like we grew up poor so mm. like everybody else they they have the same foundation already whereas us it's like we're 
we come with a disadvantage you yeah. know it's it's just ridiculous and the fact that mark couldn't get like another pass it's not like we're just bringing another friend like, yeah it's yeah. like he's part of the podcast we're coming as a podcast mm-hmm. so it's just i don't know it just seems ridiculous to yeah me. no it is i mean it's so so ignorant and then i was telling her like about the food and the situation and all of that and the food and transportation how we had to pay for all of that she was like oh like no like you yes like we could get you reimbursed for all of that just you know next time make sure you read the fine print so you know about this because it's all in the contract basically the (laughs) i wish i could remember her exact words but essentially what she was saying like and she was so defensive the whole time instead of just apologizing you know if if a speaker that you invited especially as a minority, is telling you that they feel a little discriminated, they feel like they weren't treated well, the first thing you should do is just apologize. Just instantly be like, I'm so sorry, how can I make it up? Whether wh- whether we were the ones that were wrong or they were the ones that were wrong, just apologize because that's just what it means to treat your speakers well and be, you know, that's just hospitality. But the whole time she was defensive, like if trying to argue with me about why I shouldn't have felt bad because it was my fault and like, you know, we, we shouldn't feel, you shouldn't feel bad because no one else gets another one, you shouldn't get one either, Sorry you feel that way. Sorry you have an extra person, but you just got to pay for it yourself. And, you know, that's what the message I got. And when she said, like, oh, make sure you read the fine print. Like, this is why we read the fine print. It was like, are you saying that I'm, like, so fucking dumb that this was all clear and I just, like, was too stupid and naive to read and I couldn't even do the basics in reading? Because apparently she said, like, yeah, like, this was all in your contract, in your speaker book that you got. It said everything there. And so she made me feel like fucking dumb. I was like, am I really like dumb? Did I not fucking read or something? I ended up going like back to the hotel, reading through all the emails. There was nothing. There was nothing there. Wow. I read everything. There was absolutely no mention of, of any reimbursement for a hotel or transportation. Nothing at all. Which was so disappointing because this is like, this is why you're not defensive. Because she told, you know, at first they said they forgot. At first it was like, oh, they forgot to tell you guys. And now she came over here. I'm telling her how I feel in like the most polite like version, really just trying to get her to understand my feelings and not feel like fucking like I'm I should be I should be feeling bad and I shouldn't feel this way. She tells me like you're stupid, go fucking read it. go read the fine print. I go read it, there's nothing there. So first, they forgot. Two, it's my fault because I didn't read it correctly. Keep in mind there was nothing there. And so, you know, I'm having this conversation with her and I'm just like, I just don't understand why you couldn't have given him another pass. And I hope next time you think about ways you could be more equitable. Like the festival has money. It's a piece of paper. Like, please think about how you can be fair by being equitable. And she was like, yeah, like I'll move you to the hotel. Like, I'm so sorry. I didn't know it was that bad. Like, you know, she, she, she did do her best to get me the, you know, get me into a new hotel and tell me about the reimbursement. But the problem was just how defensive she was. Mm -hmm. It's like, she wanted to fucking like battle with me. And like, she didn't want to believe that like she probably could have messed up. And I just didn't like that. It was exhausting. I, it was exhausting talking to her. Like by the end of it, I was, I was so close to crying in front of her, which I did not want to do, but I was like, like I was just trying to hold back tears. Cause I, I honestly, am not even sure what I felt. I don't know if I think it was just the exhaustion of feeling like what you're, what you experienced wasn't valid. And that, you should have been happy with it and that it was your fault and you shouldn't be upset because they provide this for everyone and your experience. I think that's what it is. It's that it's what the, the, the exhaustion that comes when someone tells you you're being treated fairly, but they refuse to acknowledge that just because it was fair doesn't mean it was equitable towards you. And that's exactly what I felt. 
the exhaustion that I was like, I know it was fair. I know it wouldn't be fair to give me another pass. I know it technically wouldn't be fair to do this, but it would support me in the way that I need support, not unlike everyone else that doesn't need the same things as me. And so it felt super invalidating to just have her be so defensive. And, and so, you know, you're wrong. You might be wrong. Like, terrible. Anyways, by the end of it, she got me the, she got me the, like the hotel. She moved my hotel. She was like, yeah, I wish you would have communicated this earlier. And, you know, to her defense, a lot of people did get involved. So I didn't have a chance to like communicate this beforehand because I would have, you know, made sure to be not catch her off guard. So that is something that I could have done better is actually talk to her, send her an email, but a lot of people got involved and things just kind of moved pretty quickly. Anyways, I was like, okay, send me the reimbursement form. She's like, yes, I will. And so, you know, I'd say, thank you for listening, whatever, but I leave. And I just like, by this point, I just feel exhausted. I'm like, I'm like trying to hold back tears the whole time that I'm walking to my fucking dinner because I'm just completely over it. And I have to go to this dinner that I got invited to. And I go and it's at the top of the mountain. And it was so weird because I'm going to this dinner that's physically on top of everyone, right? Like, it literally was at the top of the mountain, at the top of the entire town. So there's, I'm going somewhere and being on top of the rest of everyone there. So metaphorically and physically, you know, metaphorically, I'm on top of everyone. You know, obviously I didn't feel that way because in that moment I felt so low. I felt so like below everyone it just mistreated like i felt like i didn't belong there and so now to be in this position where i'm so high up it was weird i mean it was like messing with how i was supposed to feel and so i'm at this dinner and i didn't know what to expect but it was a very very fancy dinner that i got invited to which you know i was thankful for i wish it would have happened under better circumstances and i go there and there's a lot of powerful wealthy people here there was a lot of wealthy and powerful people that attended this dinner and I, it's just, I didn't have the energy to like take up space by this point. I was exhausted. I was tired and I didn't want to, but I knew I still had to socialize with everyone because I like didn't want to just let this opportunity pass by because it could, it could be so beneficial towards me. So I enter and I start talking to people and talking to them. And the whole time I just couldn't shake the feeling of, do any of these people want me here? right? Do any of these people, are they actually interested in what I have to say? Or are they just like dealing with me and tolerating me for the sake of having a diverse group of people? And I couldn't shake that feeling. I mean, I talked to some people and it's just, it was like, what's the point? Like, I know they're all going to tell me like, wow, that's amazing. Like, that's cool. That's such a great idea. And then, you know, go talk to another person. And that's how I felt the whole time. I was like tired of even explaining my ideas and my like projects or anything to them because I knew they were just going to say empty words. Tell me how amazing I am and then not do anything about it. You know, so it, was, it got to the point where I was just so like defeated by, by everyone. I realized how meaningless it was. Like, yeah, I could go talk to everyone, but it won't turn into anything tangible besides compliments. And so anyways, you know, we're there for a bit. We sit down. I get placed at this table with like five other people. And the whole time at that table, I mean, it was like majority, like there was only two minorities. The rest of them were just white people. And the whole time I just felt so isolated there. Like it, it, I felt so left out because, you know, the conversation was supposed to be between the whole table. And it was really just like a group of three and then a group of two. And then I was just there trying to interject however I could. And 
I can't even explain like how it felt in that moment because I tr- it was like you know there was um there was this other this other kid there who was like you know basically the same age as me and he's he's white he's privileged and like no hate towards him but there was more interest in him for sure and it's like again Am I gaslighting myself or was it actually like discriminatory or was it actually like a bias against his ideas versus mine? And that whole time it just felt like, is he, is he more interesting because of his skin color? And that's the weirdest thing. And I think that's why so many people feel gaslighted. It's like, you can't tell anymore what is secretly, you know, biased against you and what just isn't. And so you don't know what to feel. Like, am I being dramatic for feeling this way or is it valid? And so the whole time, you know, I was there doing my thing, trying to talk to them, but clearly they were like way more interested in the other one, you know, asking them like, what are your dreams? What are your aspirations? Like, oh my God, like, yes. Like, what's your dream in life? Yeah. I remember this one moment specifically, like they were talking. It was like, you know, this, the white kid and like the, the, the husband and the spouse. Mm -hmm. And they were talking to him, like, so listening so intensely, like, oh my God. Yeah. Like. So what are your dreams? What are your aspirations? Like, what do you want to do? And then she like quickly went like, oh yeah, you're next, by the way, like you're next. And she just goes back to listening to him. And I was like, what the fuck was that? What was that? That's like, the- it felt, it felt like they, they, they felt, you know, they couldn't just be straight up rude and ignore me. They had to ask me, but they weren't actually interested. Like to, I, this is an image that I will have stuck in my head for a good bit. Cause it was like. It's almost like you could see in their eyes the 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 love and the interest that they were looking at him with. And then me, they like when they glanced to me, like went away. And it's like, what are you doing? Oh yeah, we'll go back to you. Anyways, yeah, what are you doing? You're next. You know, like Yeah, they just like belittled you basically. They mm-hmm. just thought you were like so of little importance. They're like, Oh yeah, by the way, yeah, you're there, right? Okay, yeah, like, we'll you're next. next. Don't worry. It was like you. a it was more of a formality instead of like genuine exactly. care. Exactly. A lot of this shit just feels like formality. Like it feels like formality. And it's weird. It's weird. It's exhausting. It like really brings you down. And I was so over it. Like I didn't want to be there anymore. Anyway, the dinner ends. I the dinner ends. Um I go home. I go down and like I go to the hotel and I'm just like so defeated. I start fucking like crying and just breaking down. Um, cause I just felt so I did, like defeated. I mean, it was the first time where I like felt exposed, like out of my element. And, like it made me realize like it's so hard navigating these spaces with wealth and privilege and experiences in social circles where everyone knows each other. And at, at one point in the conversation, they were talking about their experience in school. And the kid was talking about the, the type of high school he went to. And he, he, you know, he went to a high school where he had access to so many opportunities. It was a good education that he got. You know, he's attending Harvard now in the, in the fall. And it just makes you realize, like, how much, how many opportunities have been like stripped from you and it's so difficult to keep going knowing you're so far behind 
And I guess in that moment, I just felt the magnitude of how difficult everything is going to be for me because I'm not white and I'm not privileged. And I'm going to have to work so much harder to reach the things that they reach so easily. And it is exhausting. It is so exhausting. And so I, you know, that entire day woke me up to the reality of living in America, being Latino, and looking the way I do. Knowing the support I will receive will be volumes lower than the support that, you know, a white kid next to me might get. There will be like a lot of toleration for me. They'll tolerate me, but they won't support me. They won't love me the way they do these other kids. And that was difficult. That was difficult. You know, it made me realize, do I even want success if this is what it means? If success will mean being in these circles and constantly dealing with the feeling of just feeling tolerated. And no matter how high you get, you know, they'll never accept you. But also, I mean, I'm trying to remind myself that even though it was so much harder for me, I'm still in the same place, right? Even though I might have gone to schools that were underfunded and I had no privilege and I came from nothing and I had to constantly work, I still ended up in the same place as them, as someone that has lived in privilege their whole life, that can afford to just focus on their own projects. I managed to do both at the same time. And that's, you know, I, I keep trying to remind myself that I should be proud of that, but it's difficult. It's just so hard. Um, and so this was a really important moment for me. Um, because I think it inspired me to be angry and realize that Sometimes, like, having that anger is the only way to survive in these environments. And what, like, what really... What really, I guess, kind of broke my heart was... What really broke my heart was knowing that having to explain to my mom how I was treated um, because obviously she's so proud of me and she's so glad I was there. But having to explain that despite the fact that I was there, it still felt crushing and just sharing how it was treated. And, you know, when I got home, I told her about the festival and, and what happened and... I mean, I can't understand how it might have felt to her. 
to hear, you know, how, I guess, how, like, his son that she supports and wants to see. That she wants to see succeed. Just how they were, you know, how he was treated. And, I mean, I could see in her eyes. Like, the anger and the hurt she felt. Hearing about everything that happened. And, at one point, you know, she told me that. You know, she's just, like, she just gave me a, a big hug. And I started, obviously, crying. Because... I just, I just felt so, so defeated, you know, so tired. I felt so tired. And, you know, she told me also how, how hard it is and how hard it will be for us. That she's tired too. That she has lifted this too. And she's tired of being treated and being stripped of opportunities. But she... You know, she does it all for me. <laughs> and hearing her say that, <sighs> I don't know. I felt, I felt <sighs> like I had like failed in a way because because I guess I I was, you know, just beat down by them and I wanted to give up. And it's like, I don't, I don't want to, you know, do any of this anymore. I just want to be with my community and not have to engage with any of these people. But also knowing that if I stop, then her sacrifice might not mean anything. And so... I don't know. I think I'm just trying to pick myself up. And although it was heartbreaking and just crushing, it was still an important lesson as to what the reality of living in this country will be like, especially if I'm chasing success. And it made me realize like what success means and how hard it is for people like us to truly reach the top. Because... Everyone will try to bring you down. You will never feel accepted. And I'll just have to persevere through all of that. And it'd be so much easier to just be content with less and not try to reach the top of these social circles and these this wealth and this these levels of power. But I guess I just... I want to do it because I want to take up space and I want to help the people around me but it's hard it's just really hard and I think like the most frustrating thing about all of this is that they will never get it like they can try so hard to feel bad and like try to understand where we're coming from but they will never understand like how it feels to be like in our skin and all the consequences 
or just the disadvantages that we kind of have to face because of it. Like that woman that you were speaking to, it's like she's so defensive and she can't even fathom the thought that like what we're going through, she will never, ever, ever have to go through and her kids will never have to go through that. And I don't know. It's very difficult because we are very like privileged compared to a lot of other kids. Like we get the type of opportunities that not many get and because of that we settle and we will like accept almost like anything. Even though to these companies all we are are like just some diversity points like a post on their social media to show that they are doing some good by listening to a bunch of minority teens talk. When in reality, they don't give a shit and they don't actually want to help. It's just sad because it's like, for the most part, it just seems like they don't even try to acknowledge it or like try to see our point of view like that lady she was just so defensive like right off the bat and it's it's sad because we keep on having to prove ourselves where it's like we just keep getting shut down and it's like you can only do it for so long before you know so. mm-hmm. and, and then she ended up being wrong yeah so And it's so frustrating because it's like, what's the reason to even be defensive? It's like, it's protecting the image of your festival to a group of five minorities that important? Like, can you not just give a simple apology? Like, the fact that it didn't even need to be an honest apology. She could have just given just a random apology. but She couldn't even do that. She couldn't even utter the words, I'm sorry. Exactly. It's ridiculous. And to this day, has she? I mean, you know, I sent her an email and I said, hey... You know, thanks for inviting us to the festival. We did a great panel. I reread the fine print and I can't find anything of reimbursement like you mentioned. Please send me the reimbursement form. And, you know, today she responded with like, hey, I'm so sorry. It seems like when we updated our contract, the reimbursement form got the reimbursement form was taken out. Um, Here you go. Here it is. Like, apologies. My apo- I'm so sorry for that. Um, and sorry you like stayed in a nasty hotel. So, you know, she finally said sorry. It just makes you wonder, you know, if if we were white, if we were slightly more influential, more powerful, would she have said sorry earlier? She would have. Right? Yeah. I know she would have. Right? It's like, and that's what I mean. If you're white... It's a lot easier to doubt the experiences of POC as opposed to those of white people. So that's what's frustrating. That's what's extremely frustrating. And I think we were talking a little bit about the issue with like white guilt. And as a white person, I don't think you have to be filled with guilt in every step of your life. It's just have enough guilt that it makes you want to do something with your privilege. Whether it's simply just telling people not to be racist. 
Don't use the n-word. Don't call people slurs. Simple as that. Maybe you're in a position to do more. Maybe you're wealthy. In that case, can you turn that white girl into action? Can you go donate to someone? Can you help someone personally? Go out of your way to do something. These are all things that really do mean a lot. Especially to the people that you say you admire and you're thankful for their work. How do you actually support them? Um, so yeah, the, that was our, you know, it was an important lesson, I think, for me. And I think for all of us. Because I think it really made us realize what life is like outside of our bubble. And what we'll have to deal with for the rest of our lives. And even us are lucky that we experienced it at 19. Because some people experience this awakening even younger. And it really is crushing. I feel like it's the first time in my life where I realized, you know, not everyone will like me. There's a lot of people that will just tolerate you. There's a lot of discrimination. And you'll just have to figure out how to navigate your way through all of those feelings and all the nasty looks and distaste that people might have towards you. Yeah, honestly, I mean, like the whole this whole awakening was like brought on by Malwa. So yeah. again, like the biggest thanks to her because I we would have left the festival like thinking like, oh well, it wasn't like so enjoyable, but it wasn't bad. You yeah. Know? So I think just having somebody that guidance and. Just her giving us advice and showing us true care was really nice. That was gonna be that was gonna be me. That was me before I heard all of this. Mm-hmm. Um, I left the day early, so I didn't get to experience that awakening. But hearing this with you guys, and I'm sure like the fans too, people like us, people in the same position as us, hearing this conversation, it it opened our eyes to what is outside of our bubble i got so comfortable within my bubble and after hearing your situation your experience with outside your bubble it just made me felt so uncomfortable something that i don't ever like want to deal with it, it it's just very like you said exhausting and it's it's not something that i want to like put myself through but like if we want to make a change in the future if you want to do something about this we're gonna have to you know fight for this we're gonna have to just keep enduring and enduring until we are comfortable with with ourselves and like whatever and whoever we are Oh no, like thank thank you guys for for sharing like all of that. Yeah. With today. But that's that's important. That's the thing. It's like it's so easy to like give up. To give up. It, it is. is. It so really easy. is. But we we have to do something. Yeah. It's yeah. it's that's what's so frustrating. Just how easy it is to just give up and be like, I'm not gonna deal with that. I'm not gonna reach for more because just going to stay in my community. And I think a lot of people stay in that and I can't blame them because it's difficult and I want to do that, but I'm also so angry and I don't want to let them just crush me and kill all of my spirits. I think that's why I'm so grateful to Mawa because she told us 
every time you wake up, don't forget that fire, that anger that you have for all the minorities, all your brothers and sisters who have been mistreated. And don't get comfortable, you know, living in your circle. When you wake up, it can be easy just to forget about all the mistreatment that you face throughout your life. So every day, just remember all that anger that you built up and just everything. Yeah, yeah exactly. It's like, it's so easy to forget. It's so easy to forget why you're angry, why you were mad. It's everything they've done to you. And I have to also just do better about not forgetting about it and truly like actually taking up space and continue to take up space even if it's uncomfortable and even if it makes me sad or mad it's just continue taking up space so i mean if you're a minority if you're a poc please continue taking up space like reach as high as you can and make your place there because it is so important for all of us to be there I mean, especially important because if you're the first one there is the hardest because you have no one waiting for you at the top. But if you reach it, then, you know, people that come after you will know that there's someone there who, who looks like them and someone there who accepts them. And that's so important. So please keep pushing through. Yeah, I, I just remembered too, like, the festival they put such an emphasis on education and on the panel i was talking about how like i i'm basically paying for my own school and like i don't my parents don't really help and they're they they emphasize education so much and yet at the end it's like not, nothing happened it's like no scholarship like any scholarship please right. it's just right. it's ridiculous it really is it's so much money. They have so much money. It's like we think, oh, okay, you know what? We have to understand they might be, you know, they might not have enough or it might like actually affect them. But these people have so much money. Yeah. And um, there was another person on our panel and the hotel room he got was like four times the amount. Mm -hmm. of like our room and our room was like for a group of three yeah and that was for a group of one or two so i mean it just it really just goes goes to show the difference and everything and also like this entire thing you know i i wouldn't say this is like my awakening like i've felt this way like for a long time and you know even going to usc i brought up how it feels to be in like this predominantly white space and how when you always see these white people hang out with each other it's just you feel unwanted and you feel unwelcomed and then people get so angry like they take it so personally and they can't fathom that like one person's experience can be so different from theirs so they just invalidate it and they completely are just so ignorant I mean, I don't know. I guess, you know, if you are white, it's just you have to listen and you really do have to not take offense and not take everything so personally. Because if you're not the problem, then don't act like the problem. Mm -hmm. I think that is what is the most frustrating thing is that all these white people think they're such good people that how can I be racist? Like, I have never, ever, ever been racist towards anyone. 
but then they show these microaggressions or they have these biases that they show and it's I don't know you really do have to pay more attention to like the words you say um the way you treat people and just the assumptions you make when you see other people I mean this woman is just getting on my fucking nerves I don't (laughs) I want her to lose her job (laughs) and like they need to understand where we're coming from because we're coming from places diversity like Anaheim is very diverse like we I'm pretty sure like none of us have really experienced a bad um, experience of like racial injustice here in Anaheim. I came from Berkeley. Everyone's very diverse over there. So I've never really experienced anything like that. But obviously, if you have a problem in a place where it's predominantly white, then obviously there's a problem. So Thomas, I'm just sorry you have to go to that USC. It's pretty troubling. You see, it's, like, not that bad. It's just that when I did bring up how I felt, I just remember so many people just, like, not listening. And then I remember it, like, got on a lot of... It got on a lot of, like, the pages of, you know, people who went to the same school as me. So, like, other people at USC saw what I was talking about. Uh And then they were like, what? Like, this isn't true. Like, you're just mad that, like, you can't hang out with white people. And I was just like, what the fuck are you talking about? Um, so, you know, this was, this Aspen event was just a cute little reminder that white people just can't fucking listen, and they yeah. don't think they're the problem ever, so. So, like, you think that they feel generalized when you mention a bad experience with a white person? Yeah, because it's not an attack towards every white person. Mm-hmm. It's like, if you are that person, then you are the problem, but if you aren't, then why are you taking it so personally? Yeah. Um, that's just... We're fed up with white people. For We've real. We've been fed up, but this is just like another way. And again, if you're, if oh, you're yes. not the white person <laughs> that we're talking about, then you're not the problem. Like, stop taking it so personally. Yeah. It's like, it's like the all men thing. It's like, yeah. come on. Yeah. We, do we have to specify that? Mm-hmm. Like, if you're taking it so personally, then obviously there's a problem. Like, you have a bias. Yeah. I can't imagine being aware about the privilege a white person has and being like, that's not me though like girl you know it's not you if you if you think it's you know come on yeah so um white people try to listen challenge um white people try not to take offense challenge white Um, people take action challenge white people take action challenge privileged people take (laughs) action challenge uh wealthy people do something with your wealth challenge um don't discriminate challenge. Don't discriminate challenge. Don't, challenge. Um, don't put us in a hotel with say sorry, sorry challenge. challenge. Fucking um yeah, apologize challenge. <laughs> like, don't gaslight us challenge. Don't gaslight us challenge. Um realize that <laughs> okay. you're in your own bubble no, let's challenge. Keep going. <laughs> no, let's keep going. I mean, come on, there's a lot of challenges you guys gotta get in on. Um I mean, yeah, maybe like you need it, bro. Um so yeah, I mean this was this was a overdue conversation and an overdue realization. You know, don't accept crumbs, ask for more, be angry, and realize that's kind of what it takes if you truly want to thrive in in this country. You really have to make take up take up space. You have to like make your presence known and take up space. Um and fuck it, like, be audacious about it. Like, ask if, if someone's telling you, like, wow, you're so amazing, you're so good. Be like, okay, well, what are you going to do about it? You know, what are you, how are you going to help me? 
Like, are you going to give me money? Are you going to connect me to someone? Are you going to give me support? What are you going to do about it? And if they don't do anything, no, they are not worth your time. They don't care. So thank you so much for listening. Um, Thank you so much for listening. And uh, at the minimum, thank you for the Aspen Ideas Festival for inviting us to speak. We'll be back next year, I hope. <laughs> Invite us again. <laughs> yes. We caused Before such a fucking strong. ruckus. Like, I mean, so many... I mean, people were getting yelled at because of, that's good. yeah, yeah. yeah. I, I'm just surprised. Like, th- is this like the first time this is happening? Right. Or, like, right? I mean, yeah. they said that this was their most diverse uh-huh. event yet. So that's why they had a trouble. Like, I know what it means to yeah. actually be yeah. accommodating mm-hmm. of a diverse group of people. Like, damn, you guys are needy. It didn't feel diverse. It yeah. Was still very white. Yeah, but hopefully next year, if they invite more minorities, this experience like awakens them, and they don't. They're not treated the same way we were treated. Yeah. And they take more action. Yeah. yeah. I'm glad a lot of people got yelled at. And thank you. Hopefully people lost jobs. Yeah. Thank you to the people that, you know. I want their jobs. Okay. Okay. contacting my lawyer. I doubt anyone lost their job. No. Definitely not. I say that, but like, I say that knowing no one lost their job. So it's not that malicious. Okay. They all have their jobs, okay? They're doing fine. Hopefully they just got They're like, not going to go poor. They're not going to go broke. Literally, yeah. I'm like, well, no, if they lose their jobs, they won't be able to paint rent. Like, oh, no, I'm so sad. But no, they'll, they'll be okay. I'm sure they will they be okay. Yeah. They don't pay rent. They pay mortgages. No, for real. Come on. They're playing mortgage. Yeah. Right. <laughs> so true. Come on. Look uh. at me speaking in my bubble. Um, Yeah. Thank you to the white people that did help us and that did do more than just talk and be like yes, that's terrible i'm so sorry you guys got treated that way mm-hmm. the ones that actually went took initiative sent text out sent messages out and complained thank you thank you thank Lots you thank you for listening and we'll see you in the next episode bye bye, bye.